It's a trap! Hello and welcome to Radio TCX, your weekly source for excellent news and strategy. I'm Tim Dugan, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Carson Ray. Hey, everybody. It's a great day to talk about some X-Wing. And John McDermott. Hello. And we've got a lot more content for you this week. We're still finishing up our discussion of the uh, Atomic Mass Games mini-stravaganza. Mini I think I said mini-extravaganza last time. It was the mini-stravaganza, uh, where they had an X-Wing event uh, about a week ago, um, just pat- just a little over that, and they gave us a bunch of info. We ran out of time to finish talking about it, so today we're going to be talking about some of the new cards they spoiled with all the new Mandalorian content, and we'll also be finishing up our discussion of some of the competitive play changes, particularly how we feel about a banned and restricted list in X-Wing. Uh, and we'll also dive into the future uh, and all of its um, untold multiverses um, with what they've told us about X-Wing. Lots to talk about, though, so let's get to it. All right, it's about time. We didn't talk about any cards last week, but we do have uh, a bunch of new cards coming and two new ships that we know about right now. Um, so, of course, we have to talk about what we now know as the ST-70 Assault Ship or the Razor Crest. And they kind of preemptively spoiled this one before the mini-stravaganza with the image of the model itself on their uh, Facebook page. So we kind of already know what the model's going to look like. Uh, yeah, and, you know, T-70 is great. Um, that's a good ship. And then ST-70, well, that sounds pretty good, too. <laughs> I never made that connection. That's kind of funny, actually. Keep your resistance jargon out of this pure scum faction. Uh, don't worry. Everybody gets a Mandalorian shot. <laughs> we'll save that conversation for later. Well, let's talk about the stuff we're really excited about, though. So this is pretty cool. So uh, the ship itself, um, stat line is three forward arc, three attack dice forward arc, two agility, seven hull, and two shields. So a fairly bulky medium-based ship, I do believe, right? Uh, that is a, a heck of a stat line there, right? Nine hit points backed up by two agility. Like, that's very survivable. And a great action bar, actually, too. So we have the focus, of course. We have a white evade, a white target lock, and a red barrel roll. So also pretty solid for an action bar. Yeah, this feels like maybe the fire spray is probably the best um, comparison for just kind of the stat line, right? We don't have the rear arc um, and one less hit point, but... Um, that seems like a pretty good starting point for like how to think about the Razor Crest. Yeah, you kind of wonder too, like on the point threshold too, is if that's our closest comparison, we can kind of assume it'll probably fall point wise somewhere below that. I mean, you you pay a lot of points for extra firing arcs, right? Right. No, this is like budget fire spray, which which like lore wise, okay. Well, what is the Razor Crest, right? Like, well, okay, this is like kind of the janky <laughs> Mandalorian ship, right? Like, uh, and so I feel like that feels. Uh, pretty right. Uh, one thing I did, like, in my own mind, I don't know if I ever said it on the show, I did 100% like know in my heart this was going to have a red zero stop, too. Because isn't it in, like, Mandalorian, it's in the first season, right? Doesn't he I do that? I want to say, like, episode four. It might be three. It, yeah. I'm going to guess four. He's getting chased by a bounty hunter, and, like, he does the dead stop. And so I was like, oh, I just immediately thought when I saw that, I was like, oh, yeah, X-Wing, red stop for sure. They have to know to do that. Doesn't he kind of do it, too, in that uh, Ice Spider episode in Season 2 when he's getting chased by the X-Wings? Oh. I think he does something similar. 
Yeah, and that's the I, thing about the red stop, right? You you do it once, okay, and then we do the blue maneuver, and then you can do it again, right? So it makes sense. It's it's a lore. Uh, red maneuvers and blue maneuvers are in lore now, right? You can King of slow rolling episode. here too, right? Red stop, one blue forward, red stop, over and over again. Uh, this dial's pretty fantastic. So it has like, well, it has every basic one, two, and three speed maneuver, plus a four straight and a 5K. So like it's got... Every maneuver in X-Wing, right? So you start with the zero stop. You have all the ones. The heart turns are red. The one straight is blue. You also have all the twos with the two straight being blue. And then you also have some two talon rolls, which is nice. One of its flip around options. And then you have uh, all the threes with the red hard turns and the blue three straight. A four blue straight and then that 5K. So this ship can... The, in dial quality, this ship, you don't know what it's going to do. It can do too many different things. Well, and that's really important for, you know, these larger base ships um, that just have that forward fri- firing arc. I'm thinking of, like, the Shadowcaster, which, yes, it does also have that mobile arc. Uh, but really, it's just got that that forward firing arc. That's what you want um, to do with that ship. And, and it does need that dial to keep the firing arc on its target. Uh, and, and so if this just had that forward firing arc with limited... Um, maneuver options, then you're really not going to be capable of, um, you know, doing too much with it. But having that full dial suite, right? We have all the maneuver options. Yes, there is a lot of red on there, uh, but those options, um, you know, allow I think this ST70 to really um, utilize right that that three dice tack that it does have. Now it, it's only blue options are all straights. Do you guys feel like that's a limitation though? Mm, at base level, yeah, but there's ways to make it better. So I mean, they've already kind of spoiled that this ship will have the crew slot, right? Because they're they've announced the child. So you could put L three three seven on this thing, and when it's not shielded, all of its banks would be blue as well. Right, and with just two shields, I guess you get to get to unshielded relatively early in the game, unless things are going really well for you. Yeah, it's kind of like a, a niche upgrade, I guess, if that's the route you want to go. I like that crew upgrade, but even so, like, I think having that option to 5K, that's probably going to put you far enough behind somebody where next turn you could just do that one straight blue to clear your stress and you're probably not going to bump anybody, um, which like almost kind of makes it feel Defender-esque, right? Because you can have that distance to turn around and then not really suffer for it the next turn right. unless your opponent you know, really sets up a good block. But I think I think the dial's fine. I like it. No, it's, yeah, obviously great. And I mean, like, yeah, just that range of movement from, like, if you're not stressed, like, you could do a zero stop, you could do a 5K. Like, those are wildly different things that your opponent has to plan around. We also, of course, have uh, the titular pilot from the Mandalorian series. Um, and I was curious. I didn't like I assumed he would be a pilot. Obviously, I didn't know if they would just call him Din Djarin in the title or if they'd actually call him the Mandalorian, which I mean, in lore, there's lots of Mandalorians. Right. So that's like not necessarily what he'd be known as in, you know, amongst his people. I, I like how this is presented. Um, mm-hmm. I think no, it's good. Right. It's they could have done it the other way around. I, I think. Looking at it aesthetically, I think this looks better. And I think it just emphasizes how important the character is. Because, I mean, honestly, from like, you know, we are all a hardcore fans, so we all remember the name Din Djarin. But like, you know, from from the more casual Star Wars fans, you might only think of him as the Mandalorian. So that is also just theming wise a little, little more, a little smarter. And since we compared the Razor Crest to kind of be like the fire spray light, um, 
This ability actually is somewhat similar to Boba's ability. So it says, while you defend or perform an attack, if you are in the front arc at range 1 to 2 of two or more enemy ships, you may change one of your blank results to a focused result. So some dice modification there for being in the scrum of the fight. Right, which is thematically on point to you. So this matches up good because he's always being chased and pursued. So he handles those situations really well. Um, and also just straight up a very powerful ability. The fact that it works on offense and defense, and it's not limited to, I mean, I guess we don't know if this thing can do secondary weapons, but if it can, it would affect those as well. Um, and converting blanks into usable results is pretty awesome. And actually pairs pretty well with what the child adds. Uh, yeah, so this is um, a force crew that is available to the Imperial Rebel or Scum faction. And it gives you two force. And then reads, okay, setup. After placing forces, choose an opponent. They assign the Merciless Pursuit condition to two of their ships. The Merciless Pursuit condition is, okay, after you perform an attack, if the defender is equipped with the child, uh, they may acquire a lock on the defender. Uh, so not not a great condition, right? Your, your opponent's getting locks on you uh, for attacking you with the child. Uh, and, okay, your force loses the recurring icon after you defend. If you suffer damage during that attack, recover one force. Um, so losing the recurring, obviously they don't want this to just be comboed with a user who already has recurring force just to boost their force value. So, like, you do have to pay that, incur that cost there. Um, with the child, which um, gameplay design makes sense, right? Even if thematically it doesn't make sense. I mean, thematically it does kind of make sense. Every time he uses the force, he like passes out. So. Right. Uh, actually, that was more where I thought of. I was like, okay, yeah, <laughs> he gets wiped out every time he uses the force. Um, and, and you know, it's not like, you know, every turn he gets it back, right? There's, it's just you know, suddenly it's But what, what I'm saying is, is if you collectively, so like if you had it on, I don't know, say a decimator with other force crew, they would, you'd lose the recurring that you would normally get from having the other force crew. Yeah, there, true. Right? That, that, I, honestly, part, that part feels bad. Yeah, you do. I don't think you want to stack the child with other no. um, force on a ship. But also, this is the only two force crew we've seen, right? Isn't Yoda? Uh, Doesn't Yoda, Yoda have two? Yoda has two. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's a rare, it's a rarity. That's the fair part. Um, and I think I, I think it's also kind of an interesting design space being explored here where you have force, which is obviously a really powerful mechanic, but it's a consumable amount. Like you have an absolute total, so you have to be careful about when you use it. Um, because it's not just gonna come back for you. So I think that's a really interesting area to explore. I'm a little curious about the I get thematically why it's Imperial Rebel or Scum. It's basically who's ever who's ever captured the child and is uh using his his power. I think it's just a weird, like, we, we usually don't see upgrades that stretch across um, different factions like that, like good, we, bad, We've seen and some kind of, factions. well, I, I will say, I think this happens to Scum a bunch, um, right? Because, like, Maul is, is available to Scum or Rebels, right? Um, right. And, and, like, Scum doesn't really have that many Force uh, characters. And, and, and so it kind of is frustrating to see, okay, well, like this is a scum force character, but also, you know, rebels and empire get them too. Like, I, I feel like that's a little frustrating. Like both of those have a bunch of other force characters they can pull from. Um, and, and it's like, okay, the child, like that's an exciting scum force carrier. And okay, well, rebels and empire get them too. Yeah. I don't love it. Um, I think, I don't know. I, I think it would have been fine just as a scum upgrade. Uh, Cause like, 
I don't know. In the show, you don't really see him using the Force a lot when he's captured by the Imperials, right? Like, maybe a little bit, but thematically, it just, I don't know. I don't think it makes a ton of sense, and it it just starts to blur a little bit of, uh, like, faction lines, which I'm not a fan of, so. Right. It seems like you're, in this case, you're sacrificing some of the identity built into the factions to thematically match up the card, which... I, I'm not mad about because I feel like they have to do that from time to time because thematic cars if Carson has taught me anything it's that theming is a very important part of game design yeah I guess I'm a little unsure on like the rebels getting him um like, is that a is that a spoiler for season three I guess I mean okay yeah that that kind of actually does make sense I I feel like when you have a card like this I mean like the child's a pretty like fan favorite character, right? It almost diminishes the value of having it in the game by making it so playable across different factions. Right. It doesn't feel special to me. So like, and I I get the empire thing of like, well, cause then it's kind of fun to play. Well, can I have to rescue child, but with like, okay, then you can have uh, Mando get the merciless pursuit. And, and maybe, I don't know. Like, I feel like you can do these thematic things, um, without making them standardized play. Like, th- this seems like a great scenario uh, sort of thing where, like, okay, we could put the child on different faction things within a scenario, but for normal play, it's scum only. Like, I-, I feel like that's maybe more space I'd like to see this go. Like, okay, yes, like, we can have a Rebels campaign where Fenrau is all over the place, but for normal play, Fenrau is a scum ship. Like th- that's kind of well, and I, I don't want to jump the gun here because obviously we need to we need to see it in play a little bit more before we could evaluate if if there's a combination here that could be really abused. I think like my issue with the blurring of the factions by splitting it up that way is not really that I expect this card to be like a competitive powerhouse because from what I've you know reading it and evaluating it, it seems like the cost of the merciless pursuit um cards is pretty steep like granting your opponent infinite free target locks on two different ships like i'd in a lot of cases that's not worth the two single force charges you'd get uh well it's it's great tim because they get those locks which means they're gonna deal um damage to you right they're more likely to deal damage to you which is which is what you need to get your force back so so it really works out in the end all right (laughs) i don't i don't know the math on that carson you're usually our math guy (laughs) Well, it's just uh, a dumb way of making it work. You got nine hit points, okay, and you're going to want to spend some of those to get get your force back, but you don't want to spend all of it, or or you don't have any force left, okay? Oh, because I need to. Okay, I need to take the two shields of damage to get L three three seven working, so I can get exactly my, get my okay. which recharges your two force points. Well, actually, one if you you need to lose the shields one at a time uh, for that to work really efficiently. I so that's where I'm curious where this will fall point wise because I think that's kind of an interesting because I I really am having there's so much going on here I'm having a hard time evaluating like how good it is and like what part of it makes it good if it is good like right and so like this is where I think the the multiple faction thing really does kind of bother me because I feel like this could be a pretty cost effective force crew right just kind of looking at it it's like okay, yeah, two force points is good, but like getting it back is kind of tough. It does kind of have built-in hate, but not the recurring force. Um, and so like it could be really cheap, but because three factions have access to it, if it's really cheap, uh, then that's not great, right? They, then it's just you see it in like every game you play. And I, I think 
the thing that intrigues me most about this card is that maybe this opens up a little bit of design space to make the force more of a finite resource, Mm -hmm. right? Because that's the reason why the force is so good is because it's basically infinite. Um, And typically those cards are really expensive. Like crew cards that have force on them are usually, I mean, I want like 10 points base typically. Right. So to make the force regeneration a little harder and you actually have to pay a negative effect for it, like, I don't know, that to me makes it slightly more interesting. I think I can't remember who spec. I can't remember if it was me or one of you guys who speculated when we were talking about like what would a child card look like in the past. I still think it would have been fun if it was just a crew card, like just a scum crew card that just had one force charge and no flavor text. Like, well, yeah, well, no rules text, all flavor text, right? Yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry, sorry, yeah, no rules, yep. just all flavor text. So like, because we don't see, we don't actually see that a lot in X Wing, and like that would have been kind of a cool way to like. Yeah, it's good. It would have been a great scum card then to give you some force, like one force charge. Um, I feel like it's kind of a missed opportunity splitting it across the factions here, because like as a if this card just as it is and it was scum only, that would feel like a very scum faction ability, like the weird cost you have to pay to get two force charges in scum. That would feel in line with the faction. Doesn't feel in line to me for Empire Rebels, right? Well, it would feel similar to the Mall Force Crew, right, which is their other option. Right, this would have been like, yeah, the yeah. So, yeah, it seems like a missed opportunity. I'm not like, I'm not, um, I don't by no means hating on this card. Like, I think it'll be fun. Well, I it don't... sort of got hate built in, which is cool. <laughs> we got to see the cost, and we got to see like how good it actually is. I mean, it's one thing to speculate in theory, but maybe it'll be good on the table. Who knows? My evaluation of it right now is just like, oh, it's fine. Like. <laughs> It exists. I think it could work. It will if exist. I put my thumb over where it says Imperial or Rebel, uh, then it, then I'm really excited about it. <laughs> Feels special. I love that the art they went with is just him drinking the soup, though. Yeah, also that's, that's really iconic. good. It's so it's iconic. So choice. The I best want that in like a full art promo for sure. Oh, that would be great. Yes. We get the little token at least that we can use for all kinds. That needs of to be like a trophy. Uh, one yep. of their like first place store kit things. Uh, remember when we used to get the wood plaque trophies? They don't do those anymore. Those are it's pretty been rad. a long, long time since those have happened. <laughs> yeah, well, that was like I, I only won store championships with those plaques like one season, so I'm still reminiscing. I should put those up. I haven't put those up. Uh, back in the back in the store championship gauntlet. Oh, it was great. What a good time. We got more stuff to talk about. Let's keep going. Yeah, so we have another new... So, yeah, so this ship is coming. They're they're hoping quarter one. Obviously, the shipping crisis with things is kind of crazy right now. So they're hoping quarter one if things go to plan. Um, alongside that, we're going to be getting some other stuff. One of them is another ship, the Gauntlet Starfighter. Um, this one is interesting. So it's the... What they've said is the largest model that they could produce for normal X-Wing play that doesn't go into the epic scale. So it certainly will be a large base. Um, and this ship is in four different factions. Uh, uh, five. At is least it five. Oh my gosh, it's in uh five five factions. Oh, too. in the art here, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Oh jeez. Mm-hmm. Yep. Speaking of blurred faction identity, um, let's talk about the basics of this card though, just so we have a common starting point here. So, uh, this ship, stat line wise, has a forward arc with three dice, a rear arc with two dice, two agility, nine hull, and two shields. Similar stat line to the Razor Crest, but with the rear arc, which is pretty incredible considering it's a large base. 
Uh, yeah, and, and 11 hit points backed by two agility um, is pretty substantial, right? That's uh, fire spray with a hole upgrade, right? Uh, which is pretty hard to uh, to destroy. It's also got like every kind of action. So it's got a focus and target lock that are both white. It has a red reinforce and a red coordinate. So it basically does everything, I guess. I mean, it's pretty standard for like a large base ship, right? Right. I guess large Excluding base support like, style. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, I feel like we haven't seen too much reinforce with two agility. I mean, I guess fire spray has a red reinforce. Um, Man, the fire spray is busted. <laughs> Dang. You're just learning this now, John? I Yeah, it's like an epiphany now. Like three There's years a lot later, of reasons right? um, developers have had a hard time balancing the fire spray, right? Like it, it, It's a pretty good stat line. Um, and... <laughs> well, Carson, at least, at least it doesn't have amazing pilots. Wait, what's that? Oh, never mind. No, never mind. <laughs> Sorry. <said> <laughs> um Oh, yeah. Okay. So so let's let let's put away the fire spray. Talk about the gauntlet. Uh, maybe a good place to start is okay. Well, let's look at that dial. Yeah, after looking at the razor crest, okay. There's a bunch of maneuvers maneuvers there. Uh, this looks pretty barren. So I would like to preface with Tim asked me before the show if this was the worst. Okay. Dial, to which I very quickly reminded him <laughs> that the lambda exists. The lambda um, is. Um, Y'all have never played the resistance transport pod, okay? <laughs> I don't want to hear about worse dial. I don't. No, I think this dial is pretty good. I think this. I think it's a solid dial. Upon so my my initial reaction as we were glancing through the notes here, and I looked and I said, "Oh, there's not very many maneuver options here." I was like, "This one's a pretty bad dial, right?" And John, to his credit, accurately informed me that it's actually a very good dial. <laughs> Uh, okay, one last thing about the transport pod, right? So it's got a bad dial, but also all of its actions are red, so it's really <laughs> Carson, bad. Let's, let's put the transport pod away for a second here. <laughs> okay. Talk about this uh, This looks like a great dial, and only half of its actions are red, right, on the gauntlet, so this is going to be real good. No, this dial, I was my first impression was completely wrong. I'll admit that. I'm ignorant. Um, it's got a red stop, which is a solid maneuver. Um, it's got uh, blue one banks, and then it's got all the twos with the straights and the banks being blue. And then it's got threes with the uh, three hard turns being red and a four straight. So no K turns or anything. This thing's massive, so you wouldn't expect it to be doing a lot of fancy maneuvers. But as John pointed out here, the range of maneuvers you have, along with having blue banks like that, is solid. Yeah, we got five blue maneuvers, three red maneuvers. Uh, for a large base ship, that's pretty good. And it doesn't need turnarounds. It's got a rear arc. Right, so that three bank becomes vital. That's one thing I definitely know about is, you know, like the TIE SF thing. Um, the three banks and having the rear arc is fantastic because that just moves you so far. And it, like on a large base, too, you have so much arc then. Yeah, this dial is pretty good, actually. I, I think it's pretty interesting. Like, there's a lot of dials where they only have, like, some of the one speed maneuvers, right? Only having banks, I think, is pretty rare, right? Like we see a lot where they have like the one straight and one banks, or they just have the one turns or one turns and one banks mm-hmm. and a one straight, right? But just having the one banks, that's kind of nifty. I feel like that, yeah, that's, I mean, pretty, I mean, not super beneficial to have fewer maneuvers in a, a speed, right? Uh, makes it feel a little different though. Well, it's kind of like this is like, I don't know, the large base version of like an interceptor dial like okay it'd be kind of wild for it to have the one turns on a large base 
Um, but that just having the one banks kind of feels like that. And then, okay, then we have the other turns, right? We And the only pilots they've spoiled thus far is uh, just Bo-Katan, right? I think. Uh, yes, but all of the Bo-Katans. <laughs> Lots of Bo-Katan. Um, yeah, with kind of like similar kinds of abilities. So Bo-Katan, um, I think they're all the same initiative to you. So it's the same stat line for each of these pilots, regardless of the faction. Um, over on the Republic side, you have Bo-Katan at initiative four with the ability. After you fully execute a maneuver, you may gain one deplete token to choose an object in your forward arc at range one to two. If you do, another friendly ship may perform a lock action on that object. Pretty good, actually. Solid. It's a good support ability. Uh, and then we also have a Separatist uh, Bo-Katan. Uh, before a friendly ship at range zero to two activates, you can spend a charge. If you do, that ship may gain one strain token to remove one non-stress red or orange token. And this one does have the reoccurring charge attached to its stat line to go with that ability. Right, so just to put a, a usage cap to once per turn, um, uh, which was naturally limited in the previous ability, right, because you had to fully execute a maneuver. So that only happens once per turn. So that makes sense there. Again, a supportability, this one a little more defensive or positioning-based. Yeah, and just kind of looking at, okay, Bo-Katan's Initiative 4, um, and what we see from the pilot spread, we see, okay, the Bo-Katan cards are Initiative 4. There's two Initiative 2 pilots and one Initiative 1. So it looks like this is maybe on the high end of Initiative uh, for the Gauntlet, um, and, and we see two support abilities for Bo-Katan here. So kind of falling in line with what we'd expect from a lot of large base ships that often they often have that support element, right, where they're not um, meant to be arc dodging or anything. I mean, this thing's massive and it's got no built in repositioning abilities. Um, are you are you guys excited for this ship? No, uh, aesthetically, <laughs> aesthetically, yes. Um in, in gameplay, I'm, I'm kind of nervous is, is maybe how I would phrase it. And that seemed just like a, a hard no from John, which which was maybe um, on the low end of our excitement levels from new content we've we've seen. I just I'm not hearing a lot of excitement from you guys, John. What was with the hard no? So, and we we just spent time talking about this with the child, right? I I fundamentally have an issue with the introduction of a new ship into the game that's playable in five factions. That's ridiculous, I think. And we see a spread of initiatives here. You know, I think the the factions we're excluding are the sequel factions so far. And again, like, they might spoil more cards. I'm not saying it's going to be playable in every faction. But I think the problem with having a ship like this is that it really starts to take away faction identity. And I think, I'm not blaming AMG. I know they didn't design this product. This was an FFG wave. But, you know, they mentioned in their stream how they really want to focus in on faction identity as, you know, an element of play. And how do you do that with a ship that you can play in over half of the factions with a range of pilots that might even repeat? They might even have similar abilities. I mean, these two abilities here that we see with Bo-Katan, they're different, but they're not, like, they're not different enough to make me feel like it's worth having the same pilot at the same initiative in two factions. Yeah, they're the same kind right. of ability. It's like, uh, if I see a Bo-Katan on the table, uh, I'm, okay, it's doing some sort of support thing, right? Like, regardless, yes, you're going to have either some Separatist ships or Republic ships with it. Yeah, it'll give me a little indicator. 
Uh, but those abilities are so similar that it's like, okay, wh which one is this? It's kind of like sorting out the uh, the Zam Wessel conditions, right? And, and I think maybe we need to hit like a pause button and say we're probably not going to get to some of the other content we said we might get to this episode. Because <laughs> uh, I think we do need to dive into this faction identity concept here with this release. Uh, because what's happening with the gauntlet is, is approaching it differently than the child, right? The child, okay, it's the same thing. Um, three different teams get it, right? right? Here, it seems like, I don't know, is there maybe like one team that's not getting a gauntlet? Um <laughs> But they're all going to be a little different uh, in, in that they have like maybe one pilot per faction or something. And, and so it's just going to be that pilot ability and initiative. Well, and I just, I don't know. I think there's a way you can do this that somewhat works. And I'm not a game designer. You, you could have introduced this ship into Epic Play. And instead of having it have an actual faction, you just make it a generic ship. I mean, we have generic upgrades and generic crew you could have a generic ship for a scenario sort of play, right? I mean, it didn't. It wouldn't have to have a faction. You could play it however you want. I think in standard, though, this presents an issue where you're going to get things that either A, feel too similar across different factions, blending or blurring that faction identity, or they're going to be so different that people aren't going to be able to keep which one is which straight, and it's just going to confuse people. I, I okay, so I would. I feel like I have to do my due diligence. Not that I don't agree with a lot of your points. I think I need want to push back on a couple things. Um, I think maybe the riskier part in my mind is that the fact that they aren't the same ability across ships in terms of comprehension, because especially if like if Bokatan is in every faction, which we don't know, I guess at this point. Um, but if that's true and the abilities are different in every faction, that's actually that actually is confusing, um, for players because you might make a critical mistake by not knowing which of the four abilities you're playing against. Um, as far as competitive balancing, I, th I think first of all, the ship by necessity kind of has to exist in standard play in order to sell more copies. I think there's a limitation there. I'm sure I'd wager where like they couldn't make this Epic only um, because in order to like get people to buy it, they want to know if they can play it in their normal games. Um, you do have the point system, right? So you can still price them differently per faction. So it's not like you're balancing the ship overall. It might functionally only be playable in one or two factions at a time. Uh, okay, can we can we circle, uh, put a pause on that thought, Tim? Because uh, I kind of want to build on that. So um, looking at, okay, we have, you know, every team kind of has access to a gauntlet uh, is kind of what was sold to us by AMG there. Um, is it better to have like a unique version per faction or just have the same one, right? Like the child uh, where everyone or, you know, three teams have access to it. Like if you're going to have, um, you know, break down the walls of faction identity, which, which path would you rather it be? Uh, kind of all the same. Every team gets it like the child, which could basically could be just a generic crew at this point. Um, or uh, the gauntlet style, right? We have a unique version per faction. It's hard to say because I feel like this is a point where like my gameplay balancing mind, like my competitive X-Wing mind conflicts with my just board gamer mind because I feel like like this ship can very only accomplish very different things. Like either you could balance it in a way competitively, competitively and structure it that way, or you could focus on the theming, right? And I feel like we're kind of maybe getting a mix here of the two where it's like kind of a mix of like 
it's in every faction, but it's really about theming, but we're not making the same pilot have the same ability across ships, which is not unprecedented, right? Like, we have repeating pilot names with different abilities. That's normal. Um, but if they're not distinct from one another, I think that is a gameplay issue. Right. I mean, and so your ability to cost them differently kind of per faction um, is kind of compelling to take uh, the gauntlet approach. But that maybe feels bad if you're like, okay, I'm, I don't know, uh, the Republic uh, bo is, is overcosted and doesn't see much play, right? Because uh, the Republic doesn't need the help. Um, this is some weird uh, alternate future I'm, I'm projecting. <laughs> but um, but the, the Separatist one like is super competitive. And so then the, the Gauntlet is part of the Separatist faction identity and not too much part of the Republic's, uh, which is maybe good and maybe not good. I'm not, I'm really not sure on, on if that's a good approach feels great to be a separatist player and, and maybe not so great to be a public player in that um, hypothetical situation. And, and I think part of it for me too is, you know, if you exclude pilot abilities, right? If you just look at the stat line and you look at the action bar and have a general idea of what it can do, um, the Republic faction is really the only one of this spread that needs this right now. Everybody else has it. Right. So that, of course, charge them up the double, right? They're going to pay for it. Uh, they need it. It Well, one, it doesn't just have two attack dice printed, right? It's got a three there. That's huge. Uh, and then it might have a crew slot, too. <laughs> we kind of, yeah, it's a large space. They don't will, have, like, right. any of those things. Right? Well, it's going to have multiple crew slots. Oh, my presumably. goodness. And that that's just another thing too. If we want to just look briefly at that, so I mean they they did also spoil the the Mandalorian commandos and the Clan Ren commandos kind of in two different fashions. So we got what looks like a pilot card for the Mandalorian commandos, um, and it refers to it being a remote. And then we have the Clan Ren commandos actual upgrade card um, that references launching remotes. Um, I don't know. I don't like to assume things, but based on what I know of Star Wars lore and canon, it's almost reasonable to assume that each faction is going to have some form of commando that's playable with it as well. Well, we cut. Yeah. Like because they show off a scum, they show off the scum remote card and they show off the rebel um, crew card. Right. So it seems like it's at least in those two factions I, and I'm already not, I don't know. I'm mixed on again. This is where like my want for the theming to be strong conflicts with my want for the gameplay competitively where I feel like there's a lot going on in an X-Wing game already, especially when you're, when these, you know, list sizes can be massive that adding more things that function like ships to the table is just kind of like o- overburdening the game with complexity. Um, not that I don't think it's cool that like Mandalorians are jumping out of a ship and flying around in space. Right. Like, that is solid. It's very, it's very cool. Um, yeah. But I mean, you're right, Tim, like just the look at this card. I mean, it has an attack value, it has agility, it has hull, it has charges, it moves. It's got engagement phase rules. Like it just seems like a lot for a remote. I mean, you've got like the dark probes, which kind of do things, but they don't do anything like this. And they're a little simpler conceptually, right? Where, like, you you can kind of choose to ignore them, like, and you'll pay a penalty, but it's kind of a passive penalty. Where this one is, like, if they're actually attacking you, that's a pretty active, um, an active threat to you. I, so here's, okay, so here's, this is almost an aside, but maybe one of my issues is, as a competitive player, the fact that hyperspace is, I would say, probably not the preferred format 
is that a pretty reasonable for a lot of players? It's not the the preferred for- format we play, right? I would agree. Currently, generally, Currently, yeah, yeah, right. Um, yeah. So the issue is, like, from a balancing perspective, if this is hyperspace where certain cards are and aren't allowed, this ship is a pretty easy thing to work around, right? You could even have this ship in a given season only be available for one faction, right? Um, I think the problem comes in where, since extended is typically what we play, and every card is available in extended, like suddenly there's so much different stuff to track here. Um, and I almost wonder, like, I worry if, like, the different Mandalorian remotes will function differently, because that actually seems like even more of a nightmare, where, like, they have different charges and maneuvers and all that kind of stuff. Okay, so I have, I have a f- uh, maybe another big point to, to look at, and, and that's, okay, so in Republic Rebel Resistance, right, we all have a Y-Wing. Mm-hmm. And they're pretty similar. There's some subtle differences, right? They have slightly different dials, slightly different stat lines, uh, but they all kind of do about the same thing, right? They look about the same. How is that different? Um, the because the Y wing ship design is just so cool. Like that model is that, neat. <laughs> that just feels like ingrained in kind of like the lore of Star Wars, right? I mean, we've seen this thing pop up maybe kind of like in the background of the Mandalorian and then really in rebels and in clone wars, but across that media, do you really see it in all five of these functions? You definitely see a rebel resistance and Republic Y wing across media that are defined in their own way. Mm -hmm. I don't feel the same way about this ship at all. Okay. So, so the level of iconicness, that's a word I'm sure. Um, that is that a like okay if if it's gonna be uh, kind of ubiquitous across factions, well then it should be iconic. Is is that kind of how? Sure, our, our or guts maybe like us? saying that like seeing the Y wing in those factions feels genuine to me. I don't know. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like this doesn't feel super genuine to me. It feels like a stretch. So for me, and, and like this doesn't just apply to the Y wing, right? Like, um you know, we have TIE fighter kind of variants in a bunch of factions as well. For me, those subtle differences between those variants actually kind of points to the faction identities. It's like, oh, well, how is, how, what is the slight tweak um, of the Republic's take on the Y-Wing? And so, you know, maybe the pilot abilities get there. Uh, I'm not quite seeing it with these two Bo-Katans. And maybe we don't have the whole picture with these, um super commando teams um but but you know if if those their slight differences do kind of speak to the faction identity then then that could be okay but it does feel like we're adding a lot of of new aspects to the game which which is not necessarily bad but um you know i'm always skeptical about change (laughs) (laughs) and and i get to like putting out product because people want to play new things and there's a point where you have to kind of reach into the depths for some of that content um, but for a lot of people, and I, I know at least for me, there, there is a level of, you know, theme and, and lore and canon that, that matters to me and what I pick and what I play. And I just don't feel that at all with this ship. And I feel like it, it doesn't, there, there are ways to introduce things into the game that, you know, are from extended lore or whatever that can then fill, you know, maybe a, a niche place or a void that that faction you know, didn't have before in a cool way. I just don't feel that about this ship in any way. 
I yeah, I, again, I get conflicted here because, I, and I'm certain there are lots of people out there who are excited about the ship. I mean, honestly, in a lot of ways, I am excited about it because I think the model's going to be amazing, and that's something on its own. Um, Does it spin? I, Did they say? Does it spin? It better spin. I hope it does. It better spin. I mean, I'm going to buy it. I'm okay. going to have the model. We'll say now, if it cool. doesn't spin, absolute trash. Nobody should buy it, right? <laughs> Unplayable. <laughs> Unplayable. <laughs> Unusable. No, but like, it's that crossroads of like where the game design brain in me is conflicted versus the theming brain. Because I get, I get it. I get why it's in so many factions, right? Because we see it appear that way in the many, many different shows that people may or may not have watched. Um, and same with the commandos and the and the drones. Like you do want that level of theming, and this does feel like, uh, I mean, like where the when FFG was developing, the game was kind of tending this way a lot towards things that almost felt, I want to gimmicky feels like it has a negative connotation, but like there was, they were exploring a lot of stuff that was very theme focused and not always super gameplay focused, like um, landing struts or something. Right. Right. Or um, overdrive thrusters in the black one title, right? Those, those break some kind of fundamental rules. Like, right. Uh, but it's fun. Cause Pogo really fast. Pogo, Pogo real fast. <laughs> Um, so so yeah. it's fine when it's when it's the resistance go fast. Well, and that's like just a bigger idea of like, is it okay to break rules like that? Like, I bending rules is kind of like what the nature of the game is, right? Every pilot card bends the rules a little bit. They do something that you can't normally do, right? And, and I think um, it's it's important for factions to break the rules, but it's like, what rules are they breaking? Well, that um, kind of speaks to their faction identity, and. If everyone's breaking the same rules, then then we're just breaking rules. Then we cease to have a game. Um, yeah, and I don't know. It's like the ST seventy, right? Um, the Razor Crest. That I'm super excited, right? It's like, oh, cool! I get to play this new cool scum ship, uh, and I got my scum force crew. That's exciting. Yes, I will be upset whenever I see a Rebel or Imperial player using that. Um, that won't feel right. Uh, but that's cool, right? I got a new scum ship. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> Gauntlet, okay, what? I don't feel like I'm inspired to, to play a list when I see that. Except maybe Republic, because it has three attack dice. It needs it, right? No, it, and, like, that's the thing. Like, I feel like they could have done that with this ship, is, like, they could have just picked a lane and, like, just gone in that lane, right? Even, like, a two-faction split, I think, would have been okay, but just the fact that it's in so many um, unsettles me a little bit. And it's that same thing that I kind of mentioned how I personally feel about the child upgrade is that, you know, you're right. The Republic does need this. Having it in four other factions, I feel like diminishes the value of having it in that faction. And and Carson made the point, well, if that faction actually needs it, then you can cost it accordingly that almost feels less fair to that faction, right? Because you should be able to scale it compared to other ships that are similar to it in other factions, right? but not compare it to another version of itself that exists in four other factions that, like, it, those factions don't require something like this. That feels like a, an unnecessary crutch to that particular faction. Right. I feel like it should be kind of balanced in faction, but I feel like it's going to be balanced in comparison to its other versions. Right. I think almost by necessity, because it would almost be too confusing. Like if one faction benefits from it too much and you jam, you know, hike the points up in that faction a lot, that's not going to make sense to a player coming in from the outside. Like, 
why does it cost you know x amount over here but it costs x plus 15 over on this side i mean we did sort of just have that happen right uh boba fett you know lost some upgrade slots and went up a bunch of points uh but then suddenly hey jango fett and zam wessler are like hey so so we can do these great fire spray things uh you just have to change your <laughs> faction right yeah <laughs> i mean and, and there are ways that you can address this i think we've unintentionally pinched ourselves on the amount of time we can talk about it but i mean we do have the banned and restricted list to talk about maybe in a different episode at this point but yeah i think we've that, hit that that's time kind of wall again uh but... just just ban all but the scum uh and maybe republic uh, gauntlets and it's all fine we are gonna have to yeah i think we are actually gonna have to cut it off here though because we we're hitting that upper upper limit for radio tcx um man we didn't even get to ban and restricted again um and we, we still have other cards that were spoiled and we still have other there's cards. uh more fenros <laughs> great more fenros oh, coming too. okay i feel i feel bad because the listeners are just gonna have another episode of me complaining about faction identity well i think people understand like our criticism and i don't think we were particularly harsh i think like a thing that's important to me is gameplay balance right and um faction identity too because that's something that has definitely faded over time in x-wing and i appreciate that amg has said that that is a priority for them um i just feel bad that they, i guess they're now put in this place where they get this little extra thing they have to deal with that messes with faction identity yeah their first kind of official design statement as a company is like we're gonna focus on faction identity and the last thing they have to deal with from their parent company is we don't care about faction <laughs> identity have fun good luck yep <clears throat> Well, I guess we can talk about next week, uh, get to ban and restricted lists and figure out um, if maybe that is the solution we're looking for to this problem. We're just making more content for the listeners. <laughs> really, we're just doing more of a service, right? Do you think um, Do you think the Razorcrest is going to have some sort of repair thing? Like, I, I don't know. I feel like it always falls apart and they have to put it back together. I feel like that would be kind of fun. It's like uh, some sort of new kind of scum uh regeneration you could get like a quill upgrade but you can only use it at the end of the game and it just gives you a haulback <laughs> even if it doesn't for, actually for do next, anything uh for next for your round. next game <laughs> yeah i would start the next game with a haul upgrade. i wouldn't put it past some of the designs we've seen recently um <laughs> that'd be hilarious i'm not gonna lie thank you all so much for listening to this episode of radio tcx if you like the show and you appreciate that we don't let the show run uh, a super long time uh, let us know on facebook by liking our facebook page please consider going on itunes and leaving the podcast a five-star review saying what you liked and why you think other people should listen and if you want to support the show directly please consider going on to patreon.com slash radio tcx and become a supporter of the show today it really means so much to us and thank you to everyone who's already supported the show Again, folks, thank you so much for listening to us kind of complain and criticize. We will talk to you next week. Hey, uh, the, the child art, uh, definitely 10 out of 10. It's a pretty